I'm reading the last eight or nine verses of this 17th chapter of Exodus, beginning with verse number eight. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. The one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Uh, we resume our series of messages tonight on some of the character clusters of the Bible. I've been trying to magnify a particular role that God plays in our lives by magnifying some of these characters and God's work in them. I began on the Lord's Day morning with the patriarchs Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I referred to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as the God of our faith. Abraham was known for the faith life. And that issue continued to be prevalent in the lives of Isaac and Jacob. And then we went to the land of Babylon on Sunday night. And I preached on the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, again, a threesome, a trio of personalities. And because they were thrown in that burning, fiery furnace, I referred to the God of the Hebrew children as the God of our fires, or the God of our fiery trials. Last night, we cut away a little bit at the self-life, and I preach from the book of Job on the God of Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Job's three friends. 
We saw how the God of these three men is the God of our furtherance. Job was not the only one on trial. These three friends were on trial. And like Job, they didn't do very well when the heat was on. But in the end, God furthered them. In fact, He so progressed them. I talked with my wife about this today. This is real progress. When you can go to the very person that you've talked the most about and cut down the lowest and ask them to lead you in a word of prayer. And Job prayed for his friends. What a humbling chapter that 42nd chapter of Job is. The God of our furtherance. Tonight, for a few minutes, I want to take another Old Testament account. The children of Israel have come out of Egypt. God has recently miraculously provided manna from heaven. Moses has smitten the rock and water is flowing in the camp. And they come to their first battle. We're told that Moses went up to the top of the hill, but he was accompanied with his brother Aaron and a man whose name means nobility, her. The threesome are here together. Verse 10 said, And Moses, Aaron, and her went up to the top of the hill. All three of them were faithful servants. The Bible calls Moses a faithful servant. We know Aaron was faithful in his capacity as a servant to Moses. Someone might say, well, Aaron made, made some big mistakes. So did Moses. But God mightily used the two together. And now we have Brother Hare coming in on the scene. For you ladies, this is a man, and it's spelled H-U-R, not H-E-R. I'm sorry. However, because of their faithfulness, I want to preach a few minutes tonight on the God of Moses, Aaron, and Hur, the God of our faithfulness. Now, before we talk about God's work in this situation, you understand this. You've heard it preached here. But our faithfulness is not really our faithfulness. If there's anything faithful about me tonight, it's the faithfulness of the Lord. I do not stand before you because I've been some faithful spiritual warrior. But I stand here before you tonight because my God has been a faithful God. And so I underline, He's the God of our faithfulness. And so it is with Moses and Aaron and her. God brought about their faithfulness in this hour of difficulty. 
Now, I want to say three things from these verses. And I trust the Lord will help me uh, in this emphasis. I've had a spirit of thanksgiving come on me today as I've studied this and meditated upon it. And I hope that I, I can get that out of me. I am thankful for those faithful people that God has put in my life. I realize like never before at this point in life that I am, and so are you, a product in many ways of the people that we've been around. And I'm grateful for the faithful servants of God in my life. For every preacher, for every Sunday school teacher, Forever great deacon, song leader, or as they used to call them when I was a boy, songsters. Now the music directors and praise leaders, they've got all kind of titles. But I'm grateful for those people who love to sing unto the Lord that have affected my life. I'm thankful for parents who pointed me Godward. And I'm faithful for people who have continued to point me Godward as they've come across my path. And I'm thankful for those here in this church who have been faithful. And all the churches that I've been pleased, blessed to minister in through over, over the years. I want to say three things. Firstly, I want to talk to you about how God has enabled people to be faithful in helping others. Now it's true there are some some people, specific people, a special group of people who have the gift of helps. Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 12, and he alluded to it in Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he talked about the gifts of the Spirit. We know there are some who are especially endowed with the ability to support and to hold up with the gift of helps. But oh, there's a lot of others who have helped us. And are helping tonight. They're helping others. As the faithful God works faithfulness in them. How did Moses, Aaron, and her shine in helping others? Well, I'll mention Moses, of course, then we'll talk about all of them. But he's, he's emphasized, firstly... Keep in mind as we come to this situation, this circumstance, that Moses and the children of Israel did not start this fight. Amalek came against them. Verse 8 says, Then came Amalek. I don't want to preach on Amalek tonight. I want to preach on Moses, Aaron, and Hur and their God. But Amalek was a warmonger. And his people were equipped to fight. 
And he's the one that, uh, in a very brassy way, attacked Israel. Of course, when you go to feeding on heavenly manna, and drinking the water of the Spirit flowing from Christ, you'll find yourself attacked by a fleshly enemy like Amalek. Somebody said, well, I never have had any battles in my spiritual life. Then you never have lived on the manna. And you never have drunk the water from the smitten rock. For if you live in victory and in the fullness of Christ, you better believe Amalek is coming your way. And so Amalek comes to fight. And I love Moses, though he knew his people had never fought a battle. They had never been in an organized war. And they were not an organized army. Yet Moses said to Josh, old Joshua, you choose us out some good men and you go out and you fight. Fight with Amalek. And then here's how he said, I'm going to help. Tomorrow, I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. Now Moses had learned this, that that shepherd's rod was no longer a sign of his authority. He calls it the rod of God. It is the emblem of God's authority. He had held it up over the Red Sea, and God had mightily opened up the waters, and even dry land for the people to, to tread across. Some, some even suggest they probably had a little dust coming up behind them as they went across because of the dry land. Well, we know for certain God alone could do this. And He did it for the children of Israel as Moses held up the rod. Here, Moses again says, basically, I'm depending on God. Josh, I believe you're ready and you'll get some good men, but I'm depending on God. And he took that rod in his hand and went to the top of the hill and held the rod of God out. How did he help? How could he help others? He did so through a dependence. A dependence upon God. I want to thank the Lord for those people who have helped me. And you want to thank Him for the people who have helped you by their great faith in God. (laughs) When I didn't understand what faith really was like, I was seeing it in certain people around my life. And so, there are those that God enables to be faithful in helping others through a dependence. As He holds that rod up, it's a very clear testimony. I'm not trusting Josh. I'm not trusting his little army. I'm not trusting myself. I'm depending upon God. Then I would underline a second thought. Notice in verse 9, He not only is going to hold the rod of God in His hand, but He said, I will stand on the top of the hill. 
He did not say, I'm going to stand out there on the battlefield with you. He said, I'm going up here on top of the hill. Somewhat of a distance from the battle. He was the leader, but he was not the leader of battle. Joshua had that role. And so Moses goes up, he and Aaron and her, to the top of the hill. Here's a thought that has gripped me. There are not only those that God enables in faithfulness to help others through a dependence, a faith, a confidence in God that's evident in their prayers and evident in their lives. But there are those that God enables in faithfulness to help others from a distance. They may not be right there in your battle. They may not be right there in the heat of things. But they're helping you. They're interceding and trusting God for you. While I'm standing here in this sacred place tonight of the preaching of the gospel and declaration of truth from this great book, the Bible, there are folks who are standing at the top of the hill, we might say. From a distance, they're helping in this service. One dear lady who's in her 90s now fussed at me some time ago because I was late in sending out my schedule, my itinerary. And I said to her, well, I'm sending it out this week. She said, but I needed it. You've been in two different places and I didn't have the schedule. And I said, well... You'll get the schedule, and she saw that I was a little confused about why she was so demanding, which she had never been before. And so she said, Brother Tom, I guess I ought to tell you, when I get that schedule, every day I pray for that church, and I pray for that pastor by name, because you have his name on there. And I pray for that town. And I pray for you while you preach every night. And she said, you need to send me a schedule. I said, oh, sister, you're going to get one ahead of time. Uh, I'm talking to you about people who help us from a distance. <laughs> Even today, as I thought about God's people, I was getting the help. Just thinking about some folks who aren't right here in my immediate world right now. But they've been there. And they know where I am. And they've upheld my hands in prayer. Ah, I say God has blessed and shown His faithfulness as they have been faithful in helping others through a dependence. And from... A distance. I sent a little note to a friend of mine today. And I said, you didn't think anybody was thinking about you today, did you? He won't get it for several days. But I hope in my remembrance of him and my little prayer for him that he got a little help today. I'm talking to you about helping others from a distance. And listen... This thing of the elderly has been pressing deeply in my spirit because of my own parents. Dad's 88 and in the nursing home. 
and uh, he forgets everything. I went over to see him, check on him the other night, and he introduced me to his male nurse who was in the room. He introduced me to him as his brother. I said, well, no, I'm not his brother. But I said, Dad, at least you kept me in the family, didn't you? I appreciate it. Appreciate you keeping me in the family. And you might as well laugh about it or cry, get a little bitter about it. Uh, and then my mother, she has her limitations. We have to sort of hide the medicine from her or she'll take too much. And we have to look out for her on all sides, uh, particularly when we pick her up and let her and let her bring her back to the house and she gets out of the car, she's fallen. Some getting out of the vehicles, we have to be real careful with her. But uh, I tell you, this thing of getting on down the road, dad and mom can't go to church now. In fact, sometimes I think dad's forgotten everything about church and forgotten everything about the Bible. He doesn't seem to respond uh, one little area, one little area that I love, he gets me in this every time, Pastor, every time. I'll tell him, I'll say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow. And out from out of nowhere, he'll say, Lord willing. <laughs> and I have to tell him, you got me again. You're right, Daddy, it's Lord willing. But... Uh, There'll come a time when some of you won't be able to come over to the house of God. But you can help from a distance by holding up the rod of God and trusting God. Lord, help that preacher this morning. Bless your people and meet with them, Lord. And we can help those who aren't able to come by remembering them, Lord. Suit a special blessing for her in her absence. And they touch Him, Lord. Help Him. And then may I mention a third truth. In helping others, we not only see that Moses, Aaron, and her were a help through a dependence and from a distance, but with a difference. They made a difference. Look, look at verse number, uh, verse number 10, along with 11. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. Yeah. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. I'm telling you, in his intercession and in his confidence in God, yeah. he made a difference. Yeah. You may feel tonight like you could not benefit others or you could not help someone else. But I want to tell you, even through some minute role in prayer, God can use you to make a difference in somebody's life. Yeah. And here, uh, as long as Moses held up his hand and the rod of God in it, Israel prevailed. But when he couldn't hold up his hand, old Amalek prevailed. I'd encourage you tonight, keep holding up your hands in intercession in behalf of others. Amen. Who knows what God, the faithful God, may be doing through your faithful prayers Amen. and your faithful concern for others. And so we see that God enabled Moses, Aaron, and her in helping others. 
Then I want you to come to a second emphasis. Oh, how God has moved my heart and my spirit's been exhorted through this next lesson today. I would say God not only enabled Moses, Aaron, and her to faithfulness in helping others, but God enabled them in, to faithfulness in holding fast. In holding fast. Now verse number 12 says, But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone. They didn't give up. They didn't say, well, I guess that's all we can do. But they, they got a rock and slid it over and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And instead of saying, well, Moses, you're going to have to do better. You can't let down your hand now. Rather than telling him how it ought to be. They stayed up his hands. Aaron and her stayed up his hands. The one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, there are three exhortations here about holding fast. Not giving up. Sticking to it. First of all, we're reminded here that we're to hold fast when our strength is gone. Now, I feel I'm not an expert in any field. But in 1990, through 1992 in particular, and Brother Jerry Remembers well those days when I was having some real battles physically and mentally and emotionally. I had some big battles with fatigue. And there were days when I couldn't get out of the bed. I'd get my wife to bring my books and my bed looked like my office. And I tried to study and then I'd fall back. And then I'd try to study a little bit more and I'd fall back. And then Brother Jerry and some of the other brethren helped me. They'd drive me to the meeting and I'd preach a little while and go collapse in the car and they'd take me home. And uh, I may not be much of an expert on any subject, but if you want to talk about fatigue, I might chime in a little bit. I've been there and done that. I don't know all that caused it. I don't know all that was behind it. I just know I went through it. Uh, and I'm grateful to get on the other side of that storm. I tell you, the Lord has been so good to me. And I thank Him for sufficient strength for the journey uh, up until this year. And I don't think I'm going to make quite 300 this year. But for many years, I've preached 300 sermons or more every year. And uh, I'm grateful for the strength to serve and the strength to go and the miles that I've traveled and the meetings I've been in, the endurance that I've had. And I know it won't last forever. And I'm trying to be a little more cautious and even next year trying to do more. My wife wanted to know, well, I told her, I said, well, we're going to, I'm going to slow down. That thing's going to change. She said, what's going to change? About 
I said, well, one thing's going to change is you and these jewelry shops. <laughs> Tell you that right now, buddy. I don't think she thought I meant business. <laughs> well, what are you to do when you get faint? When you become fatigued? You're to go on a little more. Trust God in a new way. Hadn't go ahead and hold fast. Tremble and shake if you have to. Let Brother Aaron do his part on one side. And let Brother Her do his part on the other side. But hold fast when your strength is gone. When you're weak. When you don't feel like you can pray. Go ahead and mumble a little prayer to God. So when you don't feel like you can study, read a little verse just to make the devil mad. When you don't feel like you can help anybody, go out of your way to make a call. Go out of your way uh, to let somebody know you're thinking about them and you got them on your heart. I'm talking about holding fast. When your strength is gone, Moses was weak. Aaron and her held up his hands. And this has spoken volumes to me. Aaron couldn't be but on one side at a time. Yeah. Her couldn't be but just on one side at a time. I have met a few people, apparently they thought they was qualified to do everything. But you can only do one thing at a time. But do what you can, where you are, with all the fervency of your soul. Even when your strength feels like it's waning and you feel helpless, keep on and let somebody else assist you. Boy, I tell you, we're a sight. We, we don't want anybody else to get in the picture. We want the limelight. <laughs> but I tell you, there's times when we need to make room for an errand yeah. and we need to make room for a her. And let them do what God's put it in their hearts to do. Amen. And certainly they both stood in their place when his strength seemed to be gone. I'd like to thank God for those who have held up my hands when I, they didn't know how weak I was. And they stood in the gap when they had no idea how I was trembling in my spirit and in my soul and in my body. I tell you, there are some who have evidenced faithfulness in holding fast. Notice not only was there holding fast when the strength was gone, but Moses, Aaron, and Aher were holding fast while the sword was being used. Joshua's down in there in the valley. He's wielding the sword. Boy, he's taking out one Amalekite at a time. He's using that sword in his uh, his little army. They're using the sword. In fact, we read there in chapter 17 and verse 13, he discomfited, he overcame and confused Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And while the sword was being used down in the valley... Moses, Aaron, and her were holding fast upon top of the hill. 
I want to say, I realize every preacher is not preaching the Word. And every Sunday school teacher is not faithfully teaching the Word. But God's got some preachers. And God's got some teachers. And uh, He is manifesting His faithfulness in them in holding fast. Holding fast. Somebody said, well, I don't know what I can do. i tell you what you can do. You can hold fast while this man's using the sword on Sunday morning. While he's using the sword on Sunday night and Wednesday night. You can hold fast. You can be firm and settled where you are uh, in the Sunday school class while that teacher is teaching the Scriptures. Uh, you, there's always people... They're going to be critical. You heard about the woman, didn't you, that said to her preacher, she said, you made a terrible grammatical error in your sermon this morning. She, she was an English teacher. And she said, you really made a terrible error. He said, well, I wish you'd help me with it. He said, do you remember what I said right before I made that error? If you can remember what I said right before it, it'll help me with it. She said, no, I can't remember what you're saying, but I remember what you said, and it was wrong. He said, well, what about what I said after that era? Can you remember that and help me with this mistake I made? She said, I, I tell you the truth. She said, I got uh, confused listening to you make that mistake. I don't remember what you said after that. He said, praise God. I'm so glad I made that grammatical mistake. Or you wouldn't have got anything out of my sermon this morning. Well, that's the way some folks are, you know. They're always looking for an error. Looking for a mistake. The Sunday school teacher, they didn't really vote for him anyhow. And so if he says something that's not exactly right, they'll nudge the one beside them or wink a little bit. I'm going to tell you, God wants us to hold fast. If they're trying to use the sword, if they're trying to hold up in the battle, then we ought to hold fast while the sword is used. Then let me say, thirdly, from verse number 12, they were not only faithful in holding fast when the strength was gone and when the sword was used, but they were faithful in holding fast Till the sun was set. His hands were steady. The last phrase of verse 12 says, Until the going down of the sun. Somebody might say, Preacher, how long am I supposed to hold, hold in here? How long am I supposed to be faithful? How long am I supposed Until the sun goes down. That is, until our day is finished. Oh, I want you to pray for me that I'll hold fast and be faithful in every capacity God's called me to until the sun is set. Till I finish my earthly day. Ah, I want to tell you, beloved, there are many uh, who messed things up the last few steps of the journey by making silly moves. And giving silly emphases 
Oh, I want to be like Moses, Aaron, and her. I want to hold fast till the sun goes down. Till the sun sets. I want to keep doing what God's purpose for me to do until the sun is set on my life. I'm thankful for those who got maybe where they couldn't teach and their voice sort of started breaking. They couldn't hold the pitch. They can't sing now. And I'm I'm grateful for those who, though they got to where they couldn't be in the church regularly, they kept sending their tithes. And those who maybe couldn't preach like they once did, but they kept holding fast. They help us. They encourage us in the journey, don't they? Thank God for those who have determined... I'm going to put a stone under Moses. I'm going to hold up his right hand. I'm going to hold up his left hand. I'm going to hold fast until the sun goes down. I'm going to stay with it until the day is over. The battle is won. That's exactly what they did. Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. On what day did he do it? On the day that Moses, Aaron, and her were holding fast. They held fast when their strength was gone, while the sword was used, until the sun was set. Before we go our way tonight, I want to give one final emphasis. The God of Moses, Aaron, and her the God of our faithfulness not only enables us to be faithful in helping others and enables us to be faithful in holding fast, but He enables us to be faithful in honoring God. The thing I love about the ending verses is Moses would not take any credit He didn't give Aaron and her any credit. He didn't give Joshua a big new shiny medal and brag on him. But he built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. He honored God. And we're to honor God after our battles. We're not careful after we get through the thick of the war, spiritually speaking. We might want to take a little credit. We might want to say, well, I don't want to, I don't want to glorify myself, but I tell you, I have learned a few things. I just put to work some of the things I've learned over through the years. I've learned how to handle the devil in situations like this. We're not careful. We'll go to honoring ourselves instead of honoring God. (laughs) Thank God for those people that God has so worked His faithfulness in that even though they've gone through the battle and they have fought difficult conflicts, yet they come out saying, Jehovah Nisi. 
Jehovah Nisi. They come out honoring God after the battle. Instead of honoring themselves or others in the thick of things. And then I must underline as well, God not only enabled them in honoring Him after their battles, but alongside their brethren. The ground is level here. There's no big I's and little U's or big positions and little positions. There's none more important than others. They're all together brought to the altar to say Jehovah Nissi. God did it. Moses didn't do it. Joshua didn't do it. Aaron and her didn't do it. God did it. God did it. Then I must mention lastly, and this brings us to the meaning of this title of for God, this great compound name for God, Jehovah Nissi. God enabled them to honor Him as their banner. Now you remember Jehovah Jireh. That was Abraham's term. And it means the Lord is our provider. Or the Lord He will provide. He will see to it. But here the name is Jehovah Nissi. It means the Lord is our banner. The Lord is our flag that we're operating under. The Lord is our emblem. Moses is not our flag. Joshua is not our banner. Aaron and her are not our banner. The Lord, He is our banner. He's the one that brought this victory. And we praise and recognize Him. Oh, the God of Moses, Aaron and her, is the God that so works in His people that they are seen faithful in honoring God. I've been in all kinds of churches. I've been in all kinds of circumstances. I've been on various platforms. I've been around well-known preachers and unknown preachers. I've been around I've been in large churches and I've been in the smallest church in the community. I'm going to tell you the crowd I want to be around. Whether large church, small church, well-known, unknown preacher, whatever the circumstance, I tell you the one I want to be around. Who says, well, we want God to get all the glory. We want God to get all the honor. He's the one that's done it. He's brought us safe thus far. And He'll take us on. Jehovah Nissi. Oh, that's the banner we need to fly over us tonight. The Lord, He is our banner. He's the only testimony we have. If there's any faithfulness, it's because He's faithful. If there's any victory, it's because He's our victory. If there's any blessing, it's because He's our blesser. He's our banner. This afternoon, 
tried to take a little nap and I couldn't relax. And so I got to thinking about this message that God put on me earlier. And I thought, Lord, I don't know how to tie all these ends together. I've got them helping people. I've got them holding fast. I've got them honoring God. I don't know how to tie all this together. And the Lord ran me out to the book of the Revelation. When all the battles are over. And our work on earth is done. We'll stand beside God's people. And while the ages roll. We'll cry worthy. Is the Lamb. Who has redeemed us to God by His will. Ah, we'll honor Him while the ages roll. If we're to honor God in heaven, if that's going to be our vocation forever, then we ought to concentrate more on it down here. Honoring God. Ah, He's the God of Moses, Aaron, and her. He's the God of our faithfulness. May the Holy Ghost take these principles and let them vibrate in our spirits. You're standing with me. Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed.